Hey, hey, friends, it's Dana Shea, and you're listening to Real Relationship Talk. Thanks so much for being here today. We are talking about something a little bit different on today's show. If you are a regular listener of Real Relationship Talk, you know that we normally focus on marriages and romantic relationships, but today we are talking all about parenting. And if you're married, you already know that when you're having issues with your parenting, that is going to bleed over into your marriage. You are listening to Real Relationship Talk, a podcast helping married and pre-married couples build lasting love from above. Got problems? Let's solve them. Because real trials need real truth. Now it's time to get in the game with your relationship coach and host, Dana Shea. Today we have with us our guest, Katherine Seegers. Katherine is an author, she is a podcast host, she is a speaker, and she is the mother of five children. She and her husband, Brian, have been married for almost 28 years, and her podcast is called Christian Parent Crazy World. It's been named 2022 Best Kids and Family Podcast by Spark Media, and she has so much to share. This was such a rich, rich conversation. I'm talking, we are jam-packed with content. So if you have a notepad or your notes app or something ready and available, you are going to want to grab that. Because what Catherine is going to help us to do today is to learn how to raise culturally conscious kids in a chaotic world. Now, that's a lot of lots of C's there. But I want us to think about that title, right? What does it mean to be culturally conscious? That means that we're not just aware of what the culture is doing, but that we are awakened to what the culture is doing, to what is being fed to our children, to what is being fed to us. And so hopefully this episode is maybe going to help you to realize maybe some things that culture is teaching you and your children that you might not have realized. And then Christian kids. What does it mean to be a Christian kid? Do we simply just want our kids to be little mini versions of ourselves? Do we want our children to challenge their faith, to question their faith? And oh my gosh, is it okay for our kids to doubt their faith? We're talking about all of that in today's episode. So Catherine and I had recorded this episode and then one of my good friends, Steph, actually sent me a very disturbing text the other day. And I just thought it was so timely that Catherine and I had already recorded this podcast because of what my friend Steph sent. So I'm going to read to you guys this um, promo, if you will, that my friend Stephanie sent me. So this is from one of our local elementary schools here in the Virginia Beach area. It's a nearby city called Chesapeake, Virginia. And this promo says, hey, kids, let's have fun at the after-school Satan Club. Just let that sink in for a second. Now, it goes on and on to talk about they're going to have science and community service projects. They're going to have puzzles and games and nature activities and arts and crafts and snacks and tons of fun. And then it says, parents, your children will learn benevolence and empathy. That's good. Critical thinking. Great. Problem solving. Good. Creative expression, I'm cool with that. Personal sovereignty, hmm, don't know about all of that. I don't know really what they mean by that. And they will learn compassion. And then in very, very small fine print, it talks about the satanic temple is a non-theistic religion that views Satan as a literary figure. 
And then it says that they are not associated with the church of Satan. Okay, I'm so confused right now. So if you're not considered the same as the church of Satan, why call yourself the satanic club? Why entice kids to come to an after-school Satan club? Y'all, I have so much to say about this, and this is not the topic of today's podcast, but actually it kind of is, because Catherine and I are talking about how to raise Christian kids in a chaotic culture. Y'all, if you are a Christian parent, you need to understand something. Satan is after your child. He is after our kids. And I don't talk a lot about Satan. I'm not like one of those Christians that believes every single bad thing in the world is just, you know, Satan, the enemy, the devil. I don't talk about him. I don't give him that much credit. But we would be fools to not believe that there is not works of unrighteousness and works of darkness that are all around us at all times. Read the news. Pull up your whatever news feed that you get your news from And you will see that this world is getting darker and darker and darker. And as parents, especially Christian parents, we have to know how to arm our kids, how to teach our kids, how to, first of all, set an example for our kids as they navigate in these very chaotic and crazy times. So that is what Catherine and I talked about in this podcast. And again, we recorded this episode before I learned anything about the new Satan Club that's going to be coming to a local school near me. So I really want to kind of set the tone for this episode with a sense of urgency, with a sense of seriousness. Even though Catherine and I laugh, y'all know I love to laugh. We laugh about things. We talk about our kids. This is a great episode. But I would be, I feel irresponsible if I did not really challenge you as parents to wake up and to understand that there is an agenda. There is an agenda that is coming for our kids and we have to be wise. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get into my conversation with Catherine Seegers. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for being a guest here today on the Real Relationship Talk podcast. It's such an honor to have you. I have listened to so many of your podcast episodes, and I just love what you're doing. I love your boldness and your passion for for this topic. So thanks so much for being with us today. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for listening. And I've been listening to your podcast as well. Love what you're doing. I, I kind of was thinking um, you do for marriage what my podcast kind of does for parenting. So I love that. Yeah, but they, there's so much overlap there, isn't there? Because, you totally. know, you know, you're hopefully, you know, parenting with your spouse, your husband or your wife. And, and th- these topics definitely overlap because we're all trying to reach the same goal with raising great kids and having healthy marriages. It's so true. You know, I found that in my own marriage, I know you've been married for what, 26 years now? Uh, we're going on actually 28. 28. 28. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. We've been married for 23. And, Uh you know, I know when our kid life situation isn't right, (laughs) like it definitely affects our marriage. And so the two absolutely go hand in hand. No kidding. And it's such a huge source of stress in the marriage too, you know, just juggling it all. Like our springs are insane. We, we have to have like spreadsheets and graphs trying to figure out who's going where with which kid at what time. Uh, Cause we do competitive sports with four of the five kids and the other ones in ballet. So we're like all over the map. It's, it's crazy. 
I bet. I bet. You know, not only is it stressful because of the scheduling, but then I think, you know, when you're married and you're parenting together, you bring two different backgrounds to the table. You bring two different experiences, how you were raised, how your spouse was raised. And even though a lot of us are like, I'm never going to, I'm never going to do what my parents did. You know, we default (laughs) right into that. And then, you know, you start having issues with your spouse because you realize, man, maybe we don't have the same vision for parenting Mm -hmm. our kids. And so one of the things that I like to do and a lot of the premarital coaching and stuff that I do is we talk about parenting and what's your vision for your children, the children that you haven't even birthed yet. What is the vision? How are you going to raise them? If you're believers, are you going to raise them to be Christian kids? Because I think that's something that we kind of think like by default, of course, like every Christian wants to raise Christian godly kids, but that's not always the case. Not at all. You know, we're, we're, um, homeschoolers actually. And you, you kind of think of that being as a more homogenous group. And yet, even in those circles, you're like, these parents do things very differently than those parents. And then sometimes you do end up with that, that internal battle within the home. If the parents aren't quite on board with everything, you know, or aren't in sync with the way they want to go about things. So that's a huge, huge issue. You, you need to be united in your parenting, um, with your kids, one thing we're, we're pretty clear on is, Hey, don't throw your spouse under the bus in front of the kiddos, (laughs) take it, take it in the back room, shut the door and, and get on the same page, then come back out because you've got to be united. Kids, kids will see, uh, they will sense weakness very quickly there. And you know, which, which parent do I go to for this? And which parent do I go to for that? And if we we're really strong on the fact that if, if the kiddo came to one of us after asking the other one, and we find out about it. Ooh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, you you yeah. don't get to go to mommy to get permission to do what daddy said no to, or vice versa. So um, we're you got to have a united front there um, with your kids, and and that's not always easy. Um, right. Thank now my my husband and I we came from remarkably similar backgrounds. I'll, I'll be honest, that helps. That's not every marriage though, mm-hmm. and so trying to get on the same page because uh, you got the same goal of raising children that choose God and stay within the faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, hopefully, you know, those conversations need to happen and work through any differences you have there. Yeah, I know this isn't our topic, but you said something so important that I don't want to overlook, and it's creating a united front. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that there, I see it all the time where parents are not united and they disagree openly in front of their children. And yeah. I'm like, ooh, you know, like my husband and I, we don't agree on a lot of things, but mm-hmm. before the kids, we're, we, we are the same person. You right. know what I mean? And it's important because kids, just like you said, they will pick kind of that weaker parent or that parent who they feel like they can get away with more. So in our household, mm-hmm. if you go to the second parent, like if you've already <laughs> gone to one parent and the parent has said no, it's an automatic no. Yeah. Like it, it's automatic no, because we just want to show our kids, you little child are not going to divide <laughs> right. what we have here, even if we don't agree. So yeah, I just really wanted to underscore that point because I think it's, it's so, so important. Very important. Yeah. It's so, so critically important that you and your, your spouse are unified yep. and, and cause man, the, the world, that's what the enemy does. He wants to divide. That's his whole, you know, divide marriages, divide families, divide um, you know, us from our faith, from our moorings, from our foundational roots, from scripture. So uh, one of the biggest chinks he can get, if he can get in between the the husband and the wife and you're approaching it differently, um, 
Yeah, it's it's not that you have to always agree on everything, but you you do need to present that united front to the kids. Um, And that is such a comfort and a support for them, even when they don't like the answer, Mm -hmm. knowing that mom and dad are uh, are to, you know, a solid unit, that they're that they're a team provides. That's the foundation God intended for the family to be. Right. Uh, it was based on that. So yeah. um, that's really important that you make sure you're on the same, uh, you know, t- privately t- have those conversations. And when you're in front of your spouse, don't throw them under the bus. And we all do it accidentally. Sometimes I've taken my husband, you know, and talking to him sometimes. And he's talked to me sometimes like, hey, that that wasn't cool. And, you know, you make it right. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's our goal always is to be united and to support one another, one another uh, in front of the kids all the time. No, that's so good. And it really is countercultural, though. I think a lot of times when you're looking at kind of the marriages, what's being shown to us on TV, God forbid, you know, the usually the father is always like the dumb one who has no idea what's happening in life. He's, you know, picked on by the wife, by the kids, by everybody. And then the mom is kind of running the show and uh, and the kids half the time don't listen to her, you know. So we're going to be talking a lot today, Catherine, about uh, culture and how even being Christian parents who are focused on raising our kids in the faith and keeping them in the faith, how we are in this culture, you know, we are, the Bible says in the world, but not of the world. So how are we supposed to raise our kids to be culturally conscious, but also to be godly, to be focused on, on who God has called them to be. So I know that a lot of the work that you've done has really centered around this topic on how Mm -hmm. to raise culturally conscious kids. I know you've got some guidelines, so I would love for you to just share kind of your best tips on how can we raise culturally conscious kids in this very chaotic world that we're living in right now. I would be happy to do that. And I love what you said about, you know, first of all, that social media aspect, the TV, you are, you nailed it. They started emasculating men in the last 10 to 20 years on pretty much all television shows. He's the bumbling idiot. He doesn't know anything. He can't work his way around the kitchen. That is definitely not my house. My mm-hmm. husband's better. <laughs> he's been in the food and beverage industry for 30 years. So he's, he's like the one everybody goes to for cooking tips. But I, I hate that image that our culture is portrayed of men. It's it's just not right. And we need to be raising strong sons to recognize that being a godly presence, male presence in the home is is a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful yeah. thing. It's a strong thing. Um, and so anyways, just that was a little addition there. But yeah, I've got some guidelines I've shared. I think I shared this in episode 29 of my podcast. Um, there's some guidelines I think that are good for us as parents because uh, we were talking earlier about how we need to be operate. We need to be culturally aware um, of what's going on because mm-hmm. I almost called my podcast uh, Christian Parent Crazy Culture. We were in between that title and Christian Parent Crazy World. And I'm like, well, I, I, I thought it was a little broader. So we went with world. Um, but culture is something I'm so passionate about. And so I had a set of guidelines. I've actually got an article that you can link as well uh, that go over these guidelines. But one of the things that I've taught my kids to do when you're having a, a conversation with anyone about something cultural is you need to start by defining what you mean by a term. Uh, that is the very first thing they, they'll teach you to do in a debate is you've got to define your terms. Well, that's where we've gotten so off kilter with our culture is that they're taking terms that meant something different like five minutes ago and completely redefining it. I mean, mm-hmm. for example, this year, what a recession is, is completely changed, you know, and that may be a more in terms of the family innocuous term, although it does affect us. But what about a term like woman? Mm-hmm. 
That is a term that has completely changed or a man. What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? I just wrapped up a four-part series on sexuality. And that's a loaded term these days. Um, I, I don't know if you've seen Matt Walsh's documentary on this. It's called What is a Woman? Uh, he's with the daily wire it's really fascinating he went all over the country just asking people this question he was asking uh, a guy who was in charge of this um, gender studies at the university of tennessee and this professor he's asking him the question he won't answer the question what is a woman he's offended that he was even asking what a woman is and essentially his definition was a woman is anyone who identifies as a woman and I'm like, that's not a definition. And um, Matt Walsh accurately pointed out, do you know what a circular definition is? And a circular definition is when you use the words you're defining in the term. That's what it means to be a woman in our culture today. Anyone and anything can define itself as a woman just by believing that's what they are. Well, that's a very, that's an attack on truth, which our culture is, that's at the heart of these terms and these redefinition of terms. So we need to start by defining what things are accurately um, and asking questions like, uh, what do you mean by that term? Is that, is that definition consistent with reality? Is it consistent with truth? Right there, you're kind of going off kilter for some people because they don't accept the idea of universal truth. But um, challenging these definitions, because people can't really accept that postmodern definition of truth in every area of their life. It just, you're going to run into some inconsistency somewhere. But I'm teaching my kids and I'm trying myself to make sure, okay, I'm, I'm making sure that we have accurate definitions of words that are consistent with reality that are consistent with truth. And in certain conversations, if I'm talking to another believer, then I should be able to accept the premise of biblical truth. What does the Bible say on this issue? You know, you may not want to go there with an unbeliever because they're not going to accept your definition. But um, when it comes to, uh, you know, conversations that we're having within the faith, because a lot of people within the faith don't have a biblical worldview. I think Barna had a study out recently, only 4% of people of I think Gen Zers have a biblical worldview, 4%. Mm -hmm. So we need to be challenging the definitions that people have. So that would be my first definition, uh, my first guideline I would offer. Yeah. And I think to add to that, you know, we need to, as parents, know what those definitions are too. Like mm -hmm. the one that keeps popping out to me is the word love. You know, mm. love can be defined in so many ways. And so with our kids, with Gen Z just brought up, we just had a, a panel discussion I did at my church a couple of months ago on discipling Gen Z. And we talked about this whole word love. You know, when I was growing up, we knew what love meant. Love, what, there was no question marks around what the word love meant. But now it's like love has become synonymous with acceptance. And mm -hmm. so we have this very compassionate generation, which I love that about Gen Z. They're very compassionate. They're very justice oriented. I love that. But they will use the word love and make it synonymous with acceptance. So if I truly, quote, love you, then that means I have to accept everything about you. I have to accept everything that you're doing because that is love. And then as parents, we have to be able to say, actually, just because you love someone does not mean that you completely accept every single thing that that person is doing. If I have a, a, a family member who is abusing their body by illicit drugs, 
I'm going to stand up and say something about that because that is not love to act like I don't see the problem or to act like that's the best thing for them. I know that's not what's best for them. I can look at their body. I can look at their behavior and I can see this is actually hurting them. So true love in that case is saying, I don't accept what you're doing. Not because I feel like I'm better than you, not because I feel like I know better than you, not because I feel like you're a bad person, but because what you're doing isn't helpful for you. What you're doing is not helping you to live out your purpose. And we can say that whether you're a Christian or not. And right. so, you know, I think when when I'm talking to my children, exactly what you're saying, Catherine, about like, what do you mean by that word? Because mm-hmm. Just because we're saying a word does not mean that our children are interpreting or defining it the same way. So that's a really great place to start is to ask our kids, what do you think that word means? You know, and I I like to ask those open-ended questions because I do want to hear from my kids. I want to hear what they think. I want to hear what they're being told because I know that, you know, they are being shaped a little by this culture. So I want to know, what do you think about that? And then we can have a good conversation kind of going back and forth about what the true definition of that word is. Right. Exactly. I I, I think you brought up really a perfect example with the word love because there's so many definitions out there um, in our culture about what love is and, and what that means. And you're right. It does mean acceptance. And yet, you know, God loves us, but he doesn't accept our sin. Mm -hmm. Why would he accept something in us that is harming us and that is destroying our purpose? He can't do that. That would be antithetical to his nature to accept something in us um, or a choice that we made that was sinful because it harms us. Just like a doctor would not look at a person who has cancer and accept that cancer within them without trying to treat it, uh, a loving God can't look at us and just accept every choice that we make simply because he loves us. He loves us enough to tell us what hurts us and harms us. And so that's a a perfect example of of a definition of a word that means different things. It may mean different things to your kids than they do it does to you or it may what I want to teach my kids though especially to do is challenge the culture. Hey, mm-hmm. this is what the culture is saying about that word. Is that what we believe about that word? Where do we de- how do we define words? What do words need to do? Does it need to correspond with my biological reality like the word woman? Does it need to co- correspond with my chromosomes or does it not? Does it is it a feeling? Uh, to be a woman or is it a biological reality? That's a necessary conversation. So I'm trying to train my kids to be cultural warriors, frankly, and to not accept the definitions they're being given by their culture, but rather make sure that that definition does correspond to reality. And for my kids, it does correspond with biblical, biblical truth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. What's the next guideline you've got for us? Well, the next one is, and this one can get a little painful as your kids get older, but I'm teaching them to question everything. You have got to be on your toes with this culture because they're trying to teach kids not um, how to think, but what to think. And true learning, true education is teaching kids how to process information and arrive at a truthful conclusion. I want to teach them how to to look at an issue from all sides and really deduce what is the truth about that issue. Uh, I don't want to teach them what to think. I don't want to just tell them, hey, you guys, God exists. This is real. You know, Even with my faith, I want to teach them, okay, question, find out for yourself, go to the Bible. And then, you know, it's, it's even okay. I did a whole podcast on this. Is it okay to question God? It is okay to question God. I, I 
encourage my kids and also myself when I'm questioning God to be respectful and honoring. And we need to do that in our culture as well. When our leaders are, are trying to, um, te- uh, you know, sell a certain idea of what love is or what a woman is that I, I want to question that. I want to push back. What do you, you know, an area where we really need to be questioning is like the area of science. Science has become a religion in our culture. And what, you know, how was that study done? What was the methodology? Did the, you know, there, we, we accept science as truth these days when it, it may reveal truth, but it isn't truth itself. So, um, and I said, this can get a little painful because as your kids get older, <laughs> sometimes you just want to, you know, it, it, you end up in these long protracted conversations. Some of them are so beautiful. They're actually my favorite part of the day, but sometimes you're like, you just kind of want your kids to accept something you said. No, <laughs> bring them to question. So they're, they're pushing back and that's actually, um, they're designed by God to do that when they get into the really starting in middle school and getting towards high school. Um, this dialectic stage that they get into is, is they're questioning everything. And I want them to, and you want them to, you don't want your kids to be these mindless repositories of whatever our culture is selling. You want them to ask questions. You did a podcast episode. I don't know the episode number, but you'll know where you (laughs) talked about having your children, even learning about different worldviews and knowing about like different worldviews. I thought that was so good. I feel like so many Christian parents are afraid for their children to find out about other faiths or other beliefs or other belief systems. And the fact that you're saying to parents, Hey, no, you actually want to help your children to question those other beliefs. I think that for us, if we're so afraid that our faith won't hold if it's exposed to other beliefs, then that really goes more to what we believe than than to our Christian faith. So our faith is is strong enough to hold. It yeah. stands the test of time. And there have been many scholars who have tried to discredit the Bible, right? They've read the Bible. They've tried to discredit. There's testimony after testimony after testimony of them becoming believers, you know, after reading and studying mm-hmm. the Bible because it holds. And so I love what you're saying about allowing your kids to question. If we don't really question our faith, if we don't allow that doubt even sometimes to take us away on these trails, we we have to believe that God is going to bring us back. He's going to lead us back to the truth. Mm-hmm. And our kids, if they're never allowed to question it, then is it really their faith or is it our faith that we've crammed down their throats to believe? And then, like you said in your podcast, when they get older, they walk away from the faith right. because they were never allowed to question it in the safe confines of a Christian home. That's where it needs to happen. I believe those were, they were early on episodes like five through eight. I did a four part series on worldview, why we need to be teaching our kids about other worldviews. We don't have anything to be afraid of right. truth. If, if it's truth does not need to be afraid of lies. Um, if they're false religions, then first of all, you're helping your kids to be able to reach people who may be deceived by a false religion uh, by helping them to learn more about. It's a loving thing to do, but also it helps to solidify what we believe. We don't need to be afraid of exposing our kids to uh, false ideas, false ideologies. Um, Rather, we need to 
have the full expectation in our faith that if it's truth, then truth liberates, truth sets us free, truth set, solidifies. So I'm, I'm passionate about the issue of truth. I've done whole podcasts on that topic as well, because I think the attack on truth is really the biggest, biggest threat we have in our culture right now. Um, so that's, that's a big one. Yeah. We need to be teaching our kids to push back and not accept the narratives that are being fed to them by our culture. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult, you know, because I think most of our kids, they want to be liked and accepted, as mm-hmm. do we, you know, parents. Like, like, that doesn't go away just because you become an adult. So when we are teaching our kids to question things, to challenge things, I think that it's important for us to let them know, hey, you might suffer some persecution here. You might not yep. be liked by everybody. You might not be invited to every conversation. People might call you names. But, like, letting kids know that that is a possibility um, of, of them questioning things, then they don't go into it. Then they're totally surprised when they start receiving any kind of kickback because they are going to receive kickback mm-hmm. if they're questioning and challenging culture in that way. Yep. They yeah. are. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Number three, what you got? Oh, well, yeah. What you were talking about there, it's the perfect setup for the next one. Uh, challenging labels. That is a big thing we need to be doing in our culture because our culture, it labels people and it just discards them. God doesn't do that with us, and we don't need to do that with other people. Now, people may do that to us, but we're supposed to turn the other cheek. We're not supposed to respond in kind when the world does. But we need to have that expectation, like you said. Yeah, we're going to get called some names. Yeah, And, you know, it's interesting when you were talking about that. Um, some of our kids are going to have that kind of uh, argumentative a debater kind of personality. I've got um, a couple of kids that are like that. And then I've got some kids that aren't. Uh, I happen to be that way. I always loved getting in a good debate. So it never has bothered me to disagree with people. But then there are people who that's not a comfortable place for them to be. They're just innately more of a peacemaker, uh, don't like to stir the pot. And I understand that as well. But um, what you know, it doesn't, if you, if you stand up for truth these days, you're going to get labeled. You're going to get labeled with uh, someone who, as someone who promotes hate speech, you're going to get labeled as someone who is, um, you know, trying to disrupt things. And there's all sorts of things they're going to try to, to push on you. And this is, we see this in our culture so much because the enemy is the father of lies. And he, he took Jesus and he called him a liar. He called him a blasphemer. Uh, It happened with all the prophets. It happened with all the disciples. So we need to have the expectation that that will happen to us if we're standing for biblical truth. We're we're Mm -hmm. pretty much guaranteed that that's going to happen. So we need to have that expectation in life that Mm -hmm. that we're going to get labeled, we're going to get discarded, but we are not going to operate that way with other people. Um, that we can't operate by the world standard. We have a mm-hmm. higher standard and our standard is really helping other people to see the truth and hopefully mm-hmm. bringing them into the faith. And we can't do that if we've labeled and discarded people. That's such an important point. I'm so glad that you brought that up because I was going to say, you know, playing devil's advocate a little bit, if we don't lead by example, then mm-hmm. our kids aren't going to know what to do when they're labeled. So therefore, as Christians, we don't label people either. You know, we don't point to people and uh, and put a, and attach a label on that person. You know, when I'm talking about even people who don't know the Lord, um, I'm very careful about how I describe them because I don't ever want it to be a us against them 
type thing. You mm-hmm. know, like we're better than you guys. No, we've, we've just seen the light. Like we have just by the grace of God, are we saved not by our own works. Right. And so I think to model that before our kids to say, you know what, that, that like, this is what I'll say a lot of times for my kids who they might want to go to someone's house that we don't appreciate how that household runs. Okay. <laughs> there. You got me. Okay. So it's like, we'll say things like, we won't say like, no, they're bad parents or they're not they're, That's not a godly home. Like we don't say things like that. We'll say, you know, that's how those parents have chosen to raise their children. We're not choosing to raise you guys that way. So our values aren't, aren't aligned. Therefore, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you cannot spend the night at that person's right. house, you know? Oh. And so basically, what are we saying? Like, we're not in agreement, not with the person. We're not at war with that person, but we, our values aren't, aren't aligned. And therefore, because we're responsible for you, we have to feel comfortable releasing you, especially overnight, to yeah. someone's care if we're, if we're not aligned. And I think that there are some parents who, Christian or not, they are afraid to set those boundaries mm-hmm. and to say, like, this is how we roll. You know, my mom used to tell me all the time, like, well, I don't care what they're doing in their house. You know, I'm not responsible for their kids. I'm responsible for you. And I hated that growing up. That's not what I wanted to hear. But now that I'm an adult and I realize, oh, no, she was exactly right. She's responsible for the, the child that God entrusted to her. So therefore, if I have to hurt that parent's feeling and say, thanks so much for inviting my child over to spend the night. But, you know, He's not going to be able to spend the night. He can come and play during the day and then we'll come pick him up, you know, at night or whatever. Oh, that reminds me of a story when, oh, my daughter was in first grade, I want to say. Yeah, um, she she had anxiety issues and uh, she got invited to a sleepover and I didn't know the parent. So I invited her over. And so we're having this conversation and I'm like, so, you know, she was from Italy and she was like, what, what is, I asked her what her religious beliefs were. And she said, um, well, I'm pagan. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? You know? And I thought maybe it was just kind of her way of saying she wasn't a Christian. And then she said, no, no, we like to go out into the woods and worship the spirit gods. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, you know, and of course I never, I didn't talk down about her at all. I said, you know, this, I told my daughter, this is an opportunity for us to share Christ with these people. Now you're not spending the night, um, at her house. Uh, but we did go over, like you said, during the day and we watched, uh, you know, we, I'm sorry, the kids played and then, um, we, you know, had pizza and stuff and she had some gods in her house and I'm definitely not letting my kids stay over here. And after we left, she, I can't remember the name of the movie, but she talked about how it was about this, um, little kid who had a demon who followed him around, who was trying to, uh, steal his voice. I'm like, so sorry, we're going to miss that one. Um, yeah, that would not be playing in my house. My kids are not watching that. So they definitely had a different standard. Um, but I use that as an opportunity to share with my kids. We love people who believe differently than we do that have different standards and different religions, different faiths. We love people within the faith who have different standards, but you know, like you said, I'm responsible for you kiddo. And, and I answer to God for the way that I raised you. So I'm not going to put you in that, that kind of environment. Uh, I think, I think sleepovers are a big thing. I we've pretty much kind of cut those off with the exception of family. Mm-hmm. You know, they can stay over with cousins where I'm like really sure about what's in the home and what's being watched. Um but I think a lot of damage can happen in those wee hours on those sleepovers. So uh, we're we're pretty we're we're really really protective about uh sleepover times and you know 
uh, kids in other people's houses. You know, obviously we let them have play dates and stuff like that, but we're, you know, and, and with people of all walks of life, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. cool with that. But, um, you know, we do have those follow-up conversations about what they believe and where they're coming from and, you know, help my kids to understand it's our, our job as Christians to share Christ's love with everyone. Yeah. Uh, we don't have to agree to do that because that's not what love means, right? Mm-hmm. We already talked that's about right. that. <laughs> but um, that's, that's not what it means to love, but we we do, um, you know, we do take their beliefs and say, okay, well, how, how do we differ and who who is in the truth here? Uh, so those are good good open doors for conversations with your kids. Absolutely. Well, we're running low on time, but I do want you to at least just share the other two guidelines that you have. And then I will link to the article um, that kind of goes in depth with these five guidelines to raising culturally conscious kids. Yeah. So uh, that would be, um, I do have that article and it's episode 29 where I kind of go into it. Uh, The fourth one, actually, there's a few other, I'll do them really quick. Uh, This kind of goes hand in hand with what we were just talking about. Don't cancel, instead consult. We don't want to cancel people. We are in a culture where everybody gets canceled and cancel culture, by the way, is nothing new. Um, We see it all throughout scripture. Uh, You know, they, they tried to cancel Matthew because he was a tax collector and Zacchaeus and, you know, Mary Magdalene and the woman with the well. I mean, and then of course they tried to cancel Jesus. So we, we don't want to participate in that. Instead, we want to consult with people and we see that what happened when Jesus consulted with these people who were canceled, he brought them to Christ. Mm-hmm. So we never want to cancel. We want to consult. Uh, don't censor lies. That's the fifth one. Don't censor lies, defeat them, defeat lies with the truth. And we can stand confident that the truth will defeat the lies. Um, but censorship is huge in our culture right now. They, they want to uh, censor a lot of what scripture teaches, honestly. So um, that is a dangerous thing when you start censoring truth because our faith, they're, they're not going to like aspects of our faith because it gets all up in your business and it tells you you're a sinner and you need a God and you're not your own God. So obviously that's going to offend them. And this new generation has safe zones and stuff like that. So we don't want to, we don't, we want to teach our kids to challenge the idea of censorship. And finally, the the sixth one I had was make sure you're teaching your kids to go to original sources, to not just believe the hype about what somebody says about something, rather go and investigate that source yourself and see what it, because a lot of times, just as it was with Jesus, everybody was saying it was a blasphemer and a liar. He wasn't, he was, he is truth. So if you go to the original source, you can find out, you know, what the truth is about that source. We don't, um, that's critically important if we really want to stand in the truth and challenge our culture. Mm-hmm. And TikTok is not an original source, by the way. I just want to throw that in there. TikTok is where my kids receive all of their information. And I'm like, you guys, you guys, I literally have to tell them this probably at least two, three times a week. TikTok is not the final say, but it is for them. Um, so Catherine, this has been super helpful. I, um, I want parents, as I know you do, to be armed with truth, to be equipped, because it's one thing for us to have good intentions on raising good godly kids but it's another thing for us to be actually equipped and so this is what you've done uh for our listeners today is you've equipped us and so again i am going to link to that podcast episode and article where parents can go and read more in depth about these guidelines and create some of their own you know for how to raise kids who are culturally conscious and let me just say we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording that parents we also have to be culturally conscious. We are going to preach to our kids with our lifestyles first and then by our words second. 
So if we are, you know, labeling folks and if we are the us against them mentality and if we're putting everyone down and we're not doing our own research and we're just tweeting stuff out without doing, you know, then they're going to follow in suit. But if we actually are thoughtful, prayerful, um, if we extend grace and compassion to those who don't believe the same things that we do, if we're willing to question things that have been told to us, then I think our kids have a much better chance of learning to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Yes. So thanks so much for being here. If people want to find out about you, Catherine, like I said, of course, I'm going to link to your podcast and all the things, but where is the best place for them to find you? Uh, you would go to katherinesegers.com. That's C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E-S-E-G-A-R-S.com. And you can find uh, all of my podcasts there and all of my articles there. And you can also find me on Life Audio. My podcast is Christian Parent Crazy World on Life Audio, which is also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can look it up there. Awesome. Thanks so much for being with us today, Catherine. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I've so enjoyed being here. All right, my friends. Well, I told you it was jam-packed with content. So every time I interview a podcast guest, I always think about you guys. I always think about how you are receiving this guest, what you're going to disagree with, what you're going to agree with. I know, y'all. I know that you don't agree with everything, and that's all right. We never, ever, ever want to be in spaces and rooms and conversations where we 100% agree with everything that is being said all the time. If you live a life like that, my friend, you need to widen your circle, okay? Because you cannot grow if you are not receiving resistance. I talk about this all the time. If we're working out, how do those muscles grow? They have to come up against resistance. So if you've heard something today that maybe you've disagreed with or you're like, mm, I don't know if I I don't know if I can get with that. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just receive it. See if that is the resistance that you need in order to make your faith grow. So again, Catherine just gave you her website. You can find her at katherinesegers.com. You can also go to the show notes in this podcast where I will have all the links linked to her podcast. I will have the links to the article that she talked about, the guidelines. And so you can simply go to realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode 121. All right, my friends. Well, thanks so much for being here today. I love, absolutely love doing this podcast. I love spending this time with you every single week. And hey, if you've never shared the Real Relationship Talk podcast with someone before, today is your day. Share this with a family, a friend, a neighbor, somebody who's a parent who needs to be encouraged in their parenting, especially if they are a Christian parent. And as usual, if this podcast has blessed you, ministered to you, made you laugh, smile, cry, why don't you write us a review on Apple Podcasts and now Spotify so you can write those reviews and just let me know what this podcast means to you. So as we always say, you guys, a good relationship is not one that works. It's one where you put in the work. Let's get to work. I'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to Real Relationship Talk with Dana Shea. Find the show notes, helpful articles, and more relationship tips at realrelationshiptalk.com. Enjoying the show? Be sure to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember to subscribe. We'll see you on the next episode. The content we feed our minds will eventually show up in our lives. If we feed our minds the lies and confusion of this world, our lives will begin to reflect worldliness. But if we feed our minds the truth of the gospel, our lives will start to reflect the heart and character of Jesus. 
I'm John Stonge, and each week I host the Dwell on These Things podcast, where we take a deep look at the Word of God and learn what it means to apply it to our lives. We don't skip difficult passages, and we don't gloss over the truth. If you're looking for a show that will put your mind in a better place and help you understand God's Word with more clarity, you can listen to the Dwell on These Things podcast at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.